Small changes can make a big difference on the race course, and that's what this Quantum Sales podcast series is all about. My name is Andy Rice, and each episode I talk to some of the biggest experts from the Far 40 racing scene. This week, I'm talking to Martin Hill, owner of Estate Master, who finished runner-up in the 2014 edition of the Rolex Far 40 World Championships. I've got Martin Hill on the line from Australia. Welcome, Martin, and thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Andy. Now, you've got a bit of a cold on the far side of the world from me. Um, I've got a bit of a cold, but let's see how we do. And um, let's talk about marginal differences. The, The small things that, when you add them all up together in far 40 racing, can really add up to a big difference. So tell us firstly, Martin, how long you've been in the class, what kind of success you've had, and and what you believe are the things that you need to pay attention to in, in terms of the getting the details right? Yeah, I've been um, in the Far 40 class since 2006. Uh, my first regatta overseas was in Miami. I think that was 2007. And I've been involved um, in the Far 40 worlds at in Sardinia, Dominican Republic, and Sydney. I took a break and I came back uh, for the Far 40 Worlds in San Francisco, which we got a second place, so we're very excited about that, um, on that on that result. Awesome. So you took a break and you came back and you got your best result ever. Um, tell us what you think the key differences were. I mean, you, you'd had some pretty good results before then. You, you come fourth and fifth in the Worlds, but getting onto the podium, getting second place, Obviously, that's a that's a big difference. And um, yeah. so, just tell us what do you think the key factors were? Well, there's a combination of things. See, you know, the Far Forty is a is a one design. But, you know, they say some makes are more one design than others. And uh, we had two Far Forties, and they have a stamped grid weight on the keel. And like um, all one design, that's the stamp weight. You don't touch anything. But there were some. I don't know what they call Killgate at, um, at the New, uh, New York, um, Newport, Rhode Island worlds, um, about some allegations some boats had been changing lead. Um, so we introduced the rule uh, which narrowed the weight band um, down so that the boats were much closer in, 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 the, in the weight of keels and hulls. And to our surprise, um, when we took our keel and, 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 as an example, got it weighed independently, we found that our keel was actually 50 or 60 kilos under its actual stamp weight. How that happened, why it happened, no one can explain. Um, and also to counteract that weight, we were carrying 70 kilos uh, in the weight in the hole. So um, you can imagine when I got the news from my boat captain about it, uh, he said, you're sitting down. Uh, so... When you can take um, 70 kilos out of the hole and, and put 50 kilos on, on the bottom of the lid uh, of the boat, that obviously improves your riding moment. So the boat, um, we felt, was a lot more um, competitive once we made that change. Again, um, you know, it, it brought us into in line with the other boats. We thought there was something wrong with the boat because whenever there was 18 knots or more wind, we, we seemed to suffer very badly. And I think that was probably the reason. But there was other little minor um, changes too as well. The jib car lead was clarified where the back block could be, and that made a significant difference in our stronger breeze where we could cheat the Genoa um, at a better angle. And also the quantum sails um, had been developing uh, with Terry Hutchison uh, on plenty, had, had been refining the, uh, the sail shape 
and I think you know, they're best in the class. So when you look at the results in San Francisco, the, those particular sales shape was on plenty of state master at Wolfgang's um, Strunji Light, and Strunji just got picked for third place. So I think that's a pretty good example of the state of where those sales are. Of course, you require the crew. Um, we are very lucky at the time that I had a tactician called Andrew Campbell, uh, who was sailing as strategist on Oracle. Uh, so obviously he gave us some fantastic lanes to capitalise on that. But at this level of racing, you need all those things together. You need speed, you need uh, consistent crew work, you need good sales and you need great training. And it's not until you get all those combinations together that uh, you can be consistently getting those results. Um, you can be lucky with some shifts, but to be consistent, you need all of those things. And we felt that we were able to put all those different elements together um, and definitely improve and to the point that we could even get a bad start. As long as we picked the shifts and hand in there, we could work our way through the fleet, whereas before, I guess we had to rely upon a good start and no mistakes to hold our position. So there was a, you know, there was a big shift uh, in that area which has given us a lot more um, confidence and excitement for the coming season. Do, do you think that's given you the ability to steer very accurately, having spent all those years with a boat that was slightly handicapped without realising it? Do you, th- do you think, in a way, it did you a favour because you had to work so much harder for it? Well, there's a big flow-on effect, and, and in any elite sportsman, they talk about confidence. And, um, you know, when tacticians about confidence and what he does... Guys, how they trim us into confidence. So if you know that you're at least the same speed as the other boat, that gives you confidence. So you don't get distracted. So absolutely, um, our steering was able, my steering was able to improve, was able to be more aggressive um, and take positions where we wouldn't dare do. We didn't have to go for, you know, for flyers, <laughs> bang the corners, as they say. Uh, we know we could play a more percentage game and that's been so much more rewarding to be able in that position to do that. And you've come very close to winning the Worlds second. Uh, what are going to be the things that make the difference in terms of uh, looking at the Worlds this year in well, to California? Be, to be fair, plenty was a, a long way ahead of the fleet. And other than the last day, the last two days uh, where we beat her in each race, uh, she was, um, you know, she was obviously, they had that one extra element of refinement above us. So we've been looking at that. We're very fortunate that uh, we've got um, Andrew Palfrey, known as Dog, as our coach, and he has great eyes. Uh, so we've been observing. And also in great sportsmanship, Terry Hutchinson's also been very uh, generous with his advice. So um, being hopefully narrowing that gap, um, as you progress, you you can see things more clearly. Um, your eyes are you know um, are not in the boat, but you know on the sails and out of the boat. So we feel that um, we can we've got a lot more area that we can improve and narrow that gap, and hopefully one day um, be like plenty be the you know, the pacer. So Martin, with the great benefit of hindsight, uh, what would you go back and tell the Martin Hill of two thousand and six if you had that opportunity? I guess um, it's, it's observation of the other boats, um, what the various different combinations that you're using. But I guess don't take anything for granted. Check everything. 
um, check your hull weights, check your keel weights, uh, check that um, the boat is in true one design configuration. You got to, at this level of class, you've got to at least have that um, minimum requirement. Sales obviously make a big difference. Um, so you can't get new sales all the time. So you have to be careful how you develop and use your sales uh, in that area. But you then, um, a consistent crew that you work with, um, it's wonderful to have a coach who can um, not only provide you with encouragement, also give you eyes out of the boat and what other boats are doing, and then being constructive and reviewing what you're doing. So it's, it is obviously a team effort um, that comes with a lot of time and money in doing that, um, but the rewards of following that, that path is, is extremely satisfying. It's no use spending 90% of the required budget and getting 50% of the result if you, that extra 10% gives you the, you know, the result that you want to do. So I guess it's, it's, it's being not naive about these things. It's about being um, open about, um, I guess, reviewing and, and, and adapting to that change that you need to do. And you've sailed with, with some very well-known uh, very great sailors. Just tell us about some of those characters and what you've learned from yes. sailing with them. Well, um, in Sardinia, I had um, Malcolm Page, the gold medalist, uh, Michael Blackburn, um, the three times Olympian in the laser, and Nathan Outbridge. So um, Nathan was just a young guy, and he was doing tactics for us. So it was lovely sailing with Nathan, and uh, we saw very early that what a wonderful talent he was. And then um, when uh, Nathan... Um, um, wasn't available, um, we had the opportunity to sail with Tom Slingsby. Again, another wonderfully gifted um, sailor and tactician. And also the famous Hamish Pepper too as well. So Hamish gave us a, a win in the pre-worlds and uh, and uh, we have a lot of uh, great uh, memories sailing with them. So, you know, it's, it's a wonderful sport that, you know, you're able to play uh, with such wonderful athletes and uh, and, you know, they are exceptional people at many different levels. And is there anybody in the 2015 lineup on your boat that you particularly want to highlight and, and to tell us why you're sailing with them? Well, this year we're um, um, sailing with Ian Williams, um, who's the number one world match racer. We have observed him um, and his positioning on Flash Gordon and feel that he is very, very good. Um, being loyal, we would have liked to have kept Andrew Campbell, uh, who was our tactician in San Francisco. Uh, he's a strategist on Oracle, so he's no slouch. Um, but unfortunately, Oracle um, dictated um, the program that he wasn't available. Um, so I don't would not say that Ian Williams is a second best than that. So I'm looking forward to that challenge. Um, it's going to take some time getting to know, um, you know his personality and how to sail together. But, you know, we've got a number of regattas leading up to the Worlds to, to develop that. So I have every confidence and I and I have uh, I do know him socially. And I think that um, he'd be a great asset for, for the team. And tell us about how you come to the sale choices that you've come to. What, what, what were your reasons for, for going for what you've got? And, and how do you make the best use of your sale inventory? Well, again, it's, it's, it's observation. Um, I felt in the far 40s that um, the 3DI sales at Norse we are promoting had a number of drawbacks and were very early in their development path. But in following the 3DI um, sale plan, 
I felt that um, they were ignoring the 3DL plan. And if you look at um, the boats like Flash Gordon and um, Neroni, who just won the last of the midwinters, actually ran with the 3DL sails, not the 3DI. Now, I don't want to say, you know, <laughs> probably um, jinx myself and then probably Norse may come out with some further refinement. But the observation is that, you know, looking at the boats that were winning um, and, and obviously being supported by the results that happened, you know, there's only three boats with the new quantum gear and they got first, second and fourth. I mean, I think that does say something that they're developing. <coughs> Excuse me. The other thing, too, is that um, we wanted to – we um, have Darren Jones, who's a, a long-time campaigner in Far 40s, was with Richard Perini and, and the Worlds and, and has a number of um, world championships under his belt. So we do develop our own spinnaker shapes as well, and, and Quantum were very helpful in that, allowing us to develop that um, particular um, – Flying shape, um, so which I think, you know, along with our um, crew kinetics downwind, uh, provide us with a very competitive boat. So, it's again, it's observation uh, trial, um, and obviously, I guess with trial, there's always some error, um, and that's where it's great to have people like Andrew Palfrey, who can put some science back into our observations. One of the things you find when you sail on your own boat, um, you do tend to believe your own um, hype or your own, um, you know, beliefs. And it's great to have an independent person who can um, review that for us. Unfortunately, Andrew won't be with us this regard, but will be for the remaining regards too. So I think that's going to be a great asset for our team as well. So having those outside set of eyes is very useful for you. Um, also, I believe you've made a bit of a leap in terms of how you sail downwind. I don't know how much you're prepared to uh, give away publicly about that, but is there anything you want to say about that? Um, I guess um, I, we're probably observing the Roni, um, which were very successful downwind, and I guess it's just sailing a little bit more aggressive. Um, a lot of it is just out of the textbooks. Boats tend to get in, in lineups and sail slower and slower, and um, you know, I guess we try and find a way which we can break that sail our angles um, and um, hopefully get the uh, the angle of the wind into the last mark correct and make some gains there. So it's, it's, it is, um, you know, it's not a time to rest. It's a time to, uh, to, to make some ladder changes there. So we found some big um, winds uh, last night were achieved, last night, last week, uh, championship was on, in that area. So that's something my pet talk will be very much about trying to uh, take on where we finished off last time. Okay, so trying to find your own space downwind rather than going with the pack. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, if you go around the mark first with four bait lengths, you can do what you want to do. But uh, it tends in the far 40s when you're in, you know, from about, you know, the four fade onwards, there tends to be a, a line of boats. Um, some boats are either trying to take you in from behind and you sail higher than your angle. Alternatively, they try and soak inside you, so you end up sailing deeper and deeper and deeper until your, you know, your VMGs are not as good, and then you get trapped. So it's a case of um, finding opportunities where you're not dictated by other players. That doesn't always roll out, Andy, um, but you know, we're obviously very conscious to, um, to find that. Having said that, uh, I always say my job is to shut up and steer. <laughs> so my job's very simple, sail the boat flat. <laughs> Um, and uh, and this field field debate in that area, but uh, yeah, we're definitely more crew kinetics um, in in trying to optimise the boat speed downwind. 
Well, Martin, great to talk to you. Got some really good tips there for us. So thank you for being so generous with that advice. And we wish you the very best of luck this year. And maybe you can go that one better (laughs) in California later on this year. Lovely. Well, thank you, Andy. Thank you for the opportunity. And, and again, thank you to all the owners and uh, in the Far 40 class. It's, it's, it's them that makes this such a great class and winning it makes it such a great achievement.